Bibles out. Are you ready to study God's Word? We started last Sunday teaching an introductory message on what we entitled Understanding How the System Works. And you know, the kingdom of God has certain precepts and laws that you have to adhere to in order for kingdom promise to come to pass in your life. And my attempt is to address why it is that many people, and we're not only talking about those who may not be believers, but those who are believers as well, why it is that so many say, or at least they feel at times, that they've tried this Christianity stuff, and it didn't work for them. I mean, has anyone else heard that but me? I mean, I've met people, and, and they've said, you know, I tried that God stuff, and it just didn't work for me. I tried going to church for a while, but it just didn't seem like it worked for me. I prayed, I prayed about this for a long, long time, and it just didn't work for me. And so the conclusion that they came to was because they had tried something that they thought was the answer, and because it didn't work, that somehow the system was faulty or the kingdom was faulty. But the problem was that they didn't understand how the system worked. And so last Sunday, we started at what I called ground zero and reminded you that you have to be born from above in order to enter the kingdom, in order to see or perceive or, or, or have an unveiling as to how the kingdom works. We talked about last Sunday how you cannot self-design. You know, that, that's just how America is. We want it our way. We just are Burger Kings. We want it our way. We want to self-design our own rules. We want to self-design our own laws. We want to self-design our own precepts. You ask somebody, anybody, ask, ask them to talk to you about the Lord, and they'll say, well, this is what I think. This is what I believe. And so we design our own sort of self-design philosophy of Christianity even or religion in general, and then we just assume that because we design this own personal philosophy that God is somehow obligated to jump into our universe. How many of you know God doesn't jump into your universe or mine? I mean, he calls us to his. And so we think somehow we leverage him or make him do what we think he ought to do, and that's not always how it works. And then what our problem becomes is we begin to sort of play around at life. We live life hit and miss. I told you the story last week of getting the cell phone and not reading the owner's manual, just, you know, just mess with it for a while. You'll figure it out. Getting the computer, the, the new laptop, and not reading the owner's manual, and you just sort of mess around with it for a while, and maybe you'll figure it out. How many of you know there are a lot of people living life that way? They never read the owner's manual. They never try to figure it out. They just mess around, play around with life, trying to figure it out. Then they moan, complain, and whine why it's not working. And so we need to understand that if you want promise, if you want God in your situation, if you want God to move, he has linked himself to some precept that he's just said, I'm not violating, I'm not adjusting for you. Isn't that amazing that God would have the audacity? <laughs> Can you imagine? That he would look at me and say, I'm not adjusting for you. Because in America, all of us are consumers. Everybody adjusts for us, we think until it comes to the kingdom. And so today, we're going to keep talking about understanding how the system works. And if you'd like to see some of your prayers answered and see some miracles happening in your life, 
If you'd like to see God move in your situation, then I think this morning we're just going to deal with some simple things. I know there are things that some of you will say, I know that, but you may know that, but do you practice that? And, and so we're going to just share a couple of things with you in order that perhaps we can see some miraculous supernatural things begin to happen in your life. Is anyone interested in a few miracles today? I mean, I, I don't know about you. I am personally kind of interested in seeing God move in some ways in my life. This has been intensely personal. In these last couple of weeks, I just, I'll just tell you, Trace and I, we get before God and we are introspective and Lord, we, we cry out to the Lord and we want the Lord to speak to us and I'm just telling you, you know how long I've pastored for decades, I've served the Lord for decades and I'm telling you the last couple of weeks, I got some revelation. Now, I'll just say this, I know some people will say, well, it's about time pastor got some revelation. I, I know how people think. Let me just tell you, some of you need to have an unveiling come over your eyes. I, the reason I tell you that story isn't so you can go, well, it's about time you got some revelation because everybody thinks the pastor needs a clue. I understand that. But, but here's the key. The key is it doesn't matter whether you think I need a clue. It's whether you got the clue. I want a clue for my life. Do you want a clue for your life? That's the bigger question everyone has to ask personally. So the lesson this morning is this. I've called it confession brings possession. Confession brings possession, and there are so many verses. I mean, you know, you start running something down, and you start seeing it all over the Bible. And there are so many verses and pertinent scriptures I can read to you. We could spend the whole morning doing nothing but reading Bible. I was overwhelmed. And then when you got God talking to you and nailing your hide to the wall, I mean, it's even worse. And, and so I just want to read some to you. I want to start in the book of Proverbs, and, and then you might also be able to keep a finger in the Gospel of Mark. So uh, let's start in Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. Just l- listen to some of the things we're beginning to read here. Proverbs 6, verse 2 says this. It says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Now, you know what that verse tells me? It tells me that the devil isn't my only problem. Have you ever thought of that? The devil isn't always your problem. Sometimes your problem is right below your nose. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Wow. Turn over to Proverbs 12. Again, I'm skipping over a lot of great verses. Proverbs 12, verse 14. Now listen to what it says here. It says, A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. How many of you want some good things to happen in your life? I mean, I certainly do. I would think you want good things to happen in your life. Well, here we have at least one verse that says that we'll be satisfied or we'll be contented with good by the fruit of our mouth, what comes out of our mouth. Turn to chapter 13. I want to read two verses, verse 2 and 3. Chapter 13, Proverbs, verse 2 and 3. It says, a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Wow. Something about the mouth that's important in understanding how the system works. Finally, Proverbs 18.21 Everyone will probably know this particular verse. We quote this often. 
in uh, Proverbs 18 and 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue has a power, it says. And within that power, there is the capacity to bring destruction and death. And when he speaks of death, he's not talking about just the biological ability to cease to exist. But when he talks about death in the Bible, death is far more than just ceasing to exist. Death, death is when a situation is falling apart. Death is when circumstances are crazy. Confusion reigns. Death in the scripture is when God is not involved in something and it never seems to work and it's going nowhere. Uh, you know, again, your resources are drying up. It's, it's death. There's death. There's no life in it. There's nothing in the bones that causes you to be hopeful or that causes you to be uh, encouraged. There's death. And it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Is that not interesting? And then finally go over to the New Testament, and then we'll teach just a few moments this morning. Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. You ought to underline these verses. They're in the Gospels. It's in red. Jesus said it. Mark 11, I'm going to begin with verse 23. Jesus says, For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, and, and again, just listen to me, and we'll, and we'll get to all the lists that everybody loves to copy down and you know put in the back of their Bible and never look at again. Um, it, it, when Jesus says, Assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, he's not talking about the physical mountains. That's a, that's, a, that's a Hebrew idiom that has to deal with difficulty. It has to deal with that which looks to be insurmountable. It has to deal with that which, which seems to be immovable, impassable. How many of you know, it, you can't go to the, to the Smoky Mountains or the Rocky Mountains and, and, and take a shovel and say, I'm going to move this thing. I mean, I mean it's, it's impossible to do that. But he says this, he says that no matter what difficulty is before you, whatever circumstance looms ahead, it may look to you to be a mountain and you may feel as if all you've got is a shovel. But he says, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, everyone say, say this, says to the mountain, say that, says to the mountain, says to the mountain, says to the mountain. Didn't say start digging on it with your shovel. It says, says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, now, does that not just make you go tilt? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Confession brings possession. The first and perhaps the most important part that I want to give you today in understanding how the kingdom works and how this system functions is this. I believe I might have even put it on the screen overhead. God has designed spoken words as the method of activating spiritual power. You need to write that down. I don't know where you need to put it in order to keep it in front of you because we forget it, we overlook it. 
every now and then it comes back to our attention, but this needs to be at the forefront of every Christian's mind and eyes and life. God has designed spoken words as the method of activating spiritual power. Now you say, well, I don't know if I agree with it. I don't know if I like it. You know what? It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. The words you speak will either release to you promise and victory or it will ensnare you in defeat and bondage. That's a law. Get this. It's a law. If you were to go to the top of this mall today and say, I'm going to jump off the top of the mall believing that God's going to spare me, save me, or do whatever it is, and I just don't believe gravity's going to apply to me today. How many of you know you're going to be in for a big surprise? Gravity's a law. And we've got to get a hold of the fact that when it comes to certain laws and precepts that God has instituted in the earth that you can't just capriciously say, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, it doesn't really matter. And the fact of the matter is you can walk through life and say, I don't know that I like it, I don't know that I understand it, I don't know that I agree with it, but it doesn't mean that you're absolved from it or that it won't work for you whether you get it or not. Words that you speak are the spiritual force that will release God's ability to do what it says he will do in the scripture. And we need to get a hold of that. It is fascinating to me to consider that the occult world believes this more than we do in the Christian world. It's amazing to me how you can hear of or watch some news happening or some cable news thing or you may have met people that had functioned in the occult and they believe, they believe in spells, don't they? They believe in incantations and curses. There, there's, a, there's a belief in the occultic realm that there are certain things they can do that will activate demonic power and, and will make their occult activity produce what they feel is appropriate fruit. Now, how many of you know that is in error, it is a lie, it is counterfeit, but they understand the precept that they can put words to their their air-filled faith system and things begin to transpire and take place. Even the world at large, and it's not, we're not even talking about occultic things, but the world has seminars that some of you have even gone to. And these seminars will teach you about how to be positive and how to speak your goals and say your goals and begin to speak your dreams. It's interesting how everybody seems to get that but us. We're the only group, despite the fact we have so many scriptures we can use, we seem to be at times the only bunch that really doesn't get that. But God is speaking to his people and telling us that he wants us to understand that if you want to access the system, this is the way it gets accessed. By your mouth. By your mouth. Jesus said these words in John 6 and 63. He said, my word is spirit and life. I like that verse because what that says is, is Jesus says, when I speak, there's more that's coming to you than just information that is formulated in a linguistic pattern that we call language. He says, when I speak to you, when I say something to you, there is a spirit force behind those words. And because it is the Holy Spirit, that force produces life. He says, my words can produce life because there's spirit involved in it. Now, keeping that in mind, now you begin to understand some of the passages in the Bible. For instance, 
like Isaiah 55, 11. It says this, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper or be successful in the thing for which I sent it. So God works under the precept himself that when he speaks, the word that he speaks out of his mouth begins to do this creative thing and it becomes successful. I mean, when God says something, how many of you know the whole universe rushes to obey that word? You look at the first few chapters of Genesis. You've heard me say this before. When God decided that it was time to create and he wanted a, a, a people that would love him because they wanted to love him, and so he, he began to create all that was necessary in order to sustain the human race, as he began to create, and as you read the account of, of him going through each day and beginning to create the different aspects that we now enjoy in the universe, the Bible doesn't say that he rolled up his sleeves and he went to work. The Bible says that God spoke. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be, and whatever it was he put behind that, all of a sudden, the universe began to shuffle. Everything began to move, and it responded to that which was spoken out of the mouth of God. And that's why the Hebrew writer would later say in Hebrews 1, verse 3, he would say that all things are upheld by the word of his power. All things are upheld by the word of his power. Do you understand right now, everything in your life, Everything that is being upheld and keeps you from collapsing is being upheld because God spoke. We breathe because God spoke. We function because God spoke. You're alive because God spoke. Right now, everything in your life, I mean, that, that'll either give you a, a sense of great confidence or it could scare the hound out of you because at this moment, the only thing that keeps you from just going in oblivion is the power of that word that holds you. At any moment, God could say, I want them. You be gone. That's the, that's the power of, of a word, and, and God activates that power when he speaks. Now, I know what people say because I said this for years. I said, well, you know, that's, that's God. God has that ability. You know, God's God and, and God can do whatever he wants to do. But that's not us because I'm not God. But that's not true exactly. The Bible tells us that we have become partakers of the divine nature. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. Now, that does not make us God, and, and all of us know that today. There are many features of all of our lives that clearly demonstrate we ain't God. But the fact of the matter is there's also a piece of everyone that, have, that has opened up their heart to Jesus Christ and allowed that restoration and renewing to take place. There are aspects of his nature now that have been imparted inside of us. And Jesus himself came, fully God, fully man, and began to demonstrate to us how the system works, how life in the kingdom works. You can't look at Jesus and somehow set him aside and put him in a category that somehow he's just different than us and he's an exception to the rule. The sole reason Jesus came to this earth was so that he could be a man and redeem back that which the first Adam had fumbled. And so he came in order to model before us exactly how life could be lived. And so we become partakers 
of that nature when we open up our heart to him. And what's interesting to me is this, that, that in Christian churches, almost universally, they understand what it takes to activate salvation in our lives. If you want to be saved, if you read Paul in, the, in his letter to the Romans chapter 10, in fact, let's just go look at that here real quick. Turn to Romans chapter 10 because I want to make sure that you underline some of this in your Bible so that you can see what I'm saying. You want to activate salvation. You want to activate the, the promises of, of being saved and the promises of being healed and the promises of being whole. You want to begin to activate these things in your life. You really want life to be better, complete. You want God to be involved in it. It seems to me if we can understand how that gets started, we can begin to understand how the very system works. It says in Romans 10 verse 8, it says this, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It doesn't say it's in your heart alone. Are you with me? In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what does that say? It says this, you have to believe, yes, but then you have to speak. You've got to say something. You've got to put a word in your mouth and you've got to begin to declare it. And that brief, out loud declaration, as you make that confession, as you say that thing, that brief, out loud confession has power to it and it begins to activate salvation in the heavenly realm. And as you speak that thing, God moves and saves you. Isn't that good news? It ought to be because we wouldn't be saved without it. You've got to understand, spiritual things have to be accessed. Are you listening to me? Spiritual things have to be accessed. You can't just assume or presume it's going to happen in your life. And this is our problem. I'm not saying people don't love God, they don't want to serve God, but the confusion enters in that we just kind of sit around thinking that God is just obligated to always act sovereignly for us, where God has put within us an ability to access those things that he is more than willing to do if we will do the thing he asks of us. I mean, you just can't hang around the bank and just sort of walk around and moan and whine outside the bank and go, I know I got all this money in the bank and I need some money. How would it be if I was down there at First Federal right now and you just saw me pacing back and forth in front of First Federal? Why don't I have any money? I don't understand why they don't give me any money. I got all kinds of money in there. I got my statement. It's, it's in writing. I know I've got all kinds of money in there, but, but I need money. Hey, I need money. I need money. I need money. I can do all kinds of things, but until I either pull out my checkbook or I get out my debit card and I punch in my PIN number, if I don't go through what it is that the bank asks of me to do, how many of you know you cannot access your money? And you can go in there and look at them and say, I, I don't like my debit card. I'm going to do it different. I want, I, want, I want something else. And the bank's going to look at you and say, I'm not doing it. Here's the debit card. Here's a checkbook. This is how we do it. 
You need to understand that there's a way to access things. On your computer, you might have a password on your computer. There is a way that you are going to access certain items. So why is it difficult for us to get that God has designed an access? He has designed an access to his promises. He has designed an access in order to get to the things that his word clearly says are ours if we'll but speak that. And if you can get a revelation of that, I'm here to tell you, if you can get a revelation of this, and I'll just declare it, some of you that perhaps have only known the Lord for a short time, I mean, if you can get a revelation of this, you will be further along in your walk with the Lord in one year than some who have served God for decades. I'll just tell you right now, there will be people who will have only known Lord for, for, known the Lord for several months who will actually access and see God work in their life more than some saints that have been going for 20, 30 years. Why is that? It's because for 30 years we've been trying to pull God into our universe, and he's saying that isn't how it works if you'll understand how to access this thing. Because, and I believe I put this on the screen as well, those, those who say they can, write this down, those who say they can... And those who say they can't are both right. Because your confession will determine your possession. You know why that's true? It's because when people usually say, I can't do that, they actually believe that. And because they believe that, they've linked their faith to their confession, and it is true, they can't do that. Is that not right? I mean, I, I know that to be true. If you ask somebody something and they look at you and say, well, I can't do that. The reason they can't do that is because they honestly, sincerely, genuinely believe they can't do that. And because that faith in their heart was linked up with their confession, they have declared it. And they're right. They can't. They can't do it. But the good news is, if we'll take that precept and understand that it is, it is God's method to access promise, we can begin to see far greater works and miracles and happenings take place in our life. Now, let me give you just a couple important concepts that I'm learning when it comes to your confession. Now, again, I know some of you have walked in perhaps the faith movement and you've heard a lot of these precepts, but can I just share with you, I don't care how long you've walked with God, this is the area. The enemy snares us in this area because it is probably the primary area that he knows that if he can get a hold of, he can shut you down. He can cause you to be frustrated if he can get this area shut down in your life. So let me give you just a couple of things, a couple of important concepts that I've come to understand. Number one is your tongue will be your greatest battlefield. I don't care what else you face in life. I'm just here to tell you that's going to be your greatest battlefield. The book of James, it's interesting. He spends almost a whole chapter talking about it. James chapter 3 Verse 8, he says this. Listen to what he says. He's under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he says this. He says, but no man can tame the tongue. That means everybody. That means me, you, all of us. No man can tame the tongue. It is an, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. This is what he says. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Now, 
You may have heard that verse before, and I've taught from the verse before, and whenever we reference this particular passage, we usually reference it with regards to that which is most damaging with regards to gossip or slander. Uh, Maybe we'll use it in order to illustrate a personal lack of restraint that comes in how we talk and how we speak. But break out of that, that, that valid way of interpreting it, but let God speak just a little bit broader here in those particular verses. Let him unveil a couple things to you. I also believe that verse has to deal with our confession and how we begin to speak and what we put into our mouth. Can I tell you this? If you want to define a curse, let me just define a curse for you. When, when you hear the word cursing, a lot of people think that means speaking profanity. And while that is cursing, that is not the only curse. Cursing is any word that comes out of our mouth that is contrary to the heart and to the will of God. A curse is any word that comes out of our mouth that is contrary to the heart and to the will of God. It, 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 it begins to spill over into divination when we begin to speak words that try to direct other people in a way that is contrary to the heart or to the will of God. That, then it becomes divination. That's what a curse is. Now, I just had to ask myself the question. I won't nail you with it. I just was asking myself the question. How often does that happen? How often does that happen? I'm going to talk about that here in just a little bit more. But the tongue is going to be your greatest battlefield. It's going to be your greatest battlefield. This is, this, is, this is where a lot of battles are going to be won and lost, is what comes out of your mouth. Get a hold of that. Number two, we tend to speak what we hear or how we feel. We tend to speak what we hear or how we feel. In Romans 10, 17... Romans 10, 17, I believe that is the passage uh, that says this. Uh, I got it. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in other words, for us to begin to move in faith, and in order for us to begin to speak faith and get our confession changed, we're going to have to hear faith. But, But I'm aware of the fact that for most of us, we live and we function in a world that doesn't understand faith. And so a lot of what we hear is absolutely contrary to faith. And we tend to speak that which is being put into our ears. And so what we do is we parrot or we repeat or we are influenced or we are directed somehow by what is coming in our ears. We too begin to speak that. Not only that, but we tend to also speak how we feel. How many of you know if you feel a certain way, if you feel discouraged, If you feel frustrated, if you feel irritated, if you feel angry, if you feel a certain way, is it not true? Come on, let's just be honest. It is true for me. However, I feel oftentimes is a great impetus in what begins to be spoken out of my mouth. My feelings. How do I feel? And then what we say is, well, I feel this way. I ought to have a right to say, God knows how I feel. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture does not say we walk by how we feel. The Bible says we walk not by sight, but by faith. And how many of you know faith transcends how you feel? Faith isn't about your feelings. In fact, can I just share this with you? Your feelings are corrupt. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, if we just go by feelings, I'm here to tell you. Everybody's going to go every which direction. Some days we feel married. Some days we don't. Some days we feel like going to work. Some days we don't. Some days we feel like coming to church, and some days we don't. Are you with me? I mean, if you're going to live life by those feelings, can I just share with you, 
buckle in, put the bar down, you're on Mr. Toad's wild ride. I mean, you're going to be all over the map if that's how you choose to live. Now, are they powerful, powerful things going on inside of you? Sure they are. But the question isn't, I, I, I should be able to. The question is, will you be obedient to what you know will get God in your situation? Our natural man always tends to walk and speak by what we hear and feel. Think about it. If someone comes up to you and encourages you, let's just, let's just work on the positive side of the equation. Somebody lifts you up. They tell you you look good. I like your hair. Nice pair of shoes. I heard you got a new job. Man, that's great. You got a raise. Praise God. And, and they begin to encourage you, and they're positive, and they're optimistic, and they're full of faith. And, and you begin to hear those words. You know what happens to all of us? We start going, yeah, man. Man, that's good. God is good. Hallelujah. I'm full of faith too. But let's just say now you've had a bad day and you get criticism or someone poured some water on your dreams and all of a sudden you find your feelings going a negative direction. You're ready. You're ready to throw in the towel. That's our problem. We allow anything and everything to control our confession and God is saying you cannot allow your mouth to be controlled just by what you hear or just by how you feel. You have got to speak what you know to be his truth and that comes from him. So you got to get a hold of that. That's why we fail as a church. That's why we, that's why we fail because we say things like, oh, it'll never change. I've seen it before. It'll never happen. It'll never change. Ne ne never be any good. I mean, you just think of all the things we'll just run out of our mouth. And the fact of the matter is, we believe it. And because we believe it and have linked our faith up to that, it happens. The Bible says that there are times you must fight the good fight of faith. Do you understand that in order to do this, you're going to have to wrestle not with the devil, but with yourself? Your biggest wrestling match is going to happen right inside of you because everything inside of you, your natural man, is going to be screaming at you to say how it is you feel. But you've got to get a hold of your inner man and understand that's where God dwells and let him begin to speak into your mind and into your ears so you begin to declare what it is that God says. And the fact is somebody's going to win. Who are you going to let win? You've got to begin to see that your future, your promise is at stake the moment you capitulate to how you feel. Don't let your feelings determine your future. Don't let your feelings determine your confession. Let your confession determine your feelings. Let your confession begin to be such that it begins to say to your feelings, catch up, guys. I realize you don't, you don't, you don't feel like what I'm saying. But here's the deal. I'm not moving toward you. You're moving towards me. So this is what I speak, and this is what I say. And yes, my future is good. God's in charge of it. It will be different. Things will change. Miracles will happen. Supernatural power will show up. And your feelings are going, I don't feel this way. You don't feel this way. And they're waving their hands over here. And you just keep speaking that thing, speaking that thing. And look at them and say, come on, I'm going this way. I'll leave you there. I'll just leave you there if you want to stay there. But I'm going this way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so get, get that in your system. And let me just ask you this question. And, and I can't answer it because I don't hang around you all, all the time. But who do you hang around with? What do you feed on by the way of input? 
Who gets to speak into your ears and to your life? Let me ask you something. Do you let people crowd around you that are going to cause you to feel a certain way so that it turns your confession to go a direction you really don't want to go? Who do you think's really doing that? Satan's smart, isn't he? Man, he's smart. And I'm just here to tell you, most of you live in an everyday, normal, natural world, and you're pounded with it. And boy, I do feel for you. I mean, you're just pounded and pounded because I know that, that my world is probably a little more insulated just because of what I do and, you know, uh, my calling. I understand that it's maybe a little more insulated, and I know how much I get pounded. I can only imagine how much some of you have to endure. But here's the question. Are you ready to go for your future and what God has for you, or are you going to allow all those crazy voices to determine which way you're going to go? Number three, you got to remember that a positive confession is a continual process. Romans 1.17. Romans 1.17. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. I understand you'll walk out of here and you'll do great. You'll start speaking and you'll get a hold of these things and then you'll get hit and you, you, you may end up finding yourself slipping here and there. And I just, I just don't want you to get the condemnations to where once you, once you maybe say something that you wish you hadn't have said that you just kind of throw in the towel to the whole thing. But here's what the Bible says. It says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So this is what God says. He says that I want to move you. I want to move you from where you are and what you believe and, and how much faith you have. He says, I want to move you from that place to another greater place. And once you get to that greater place, I want to work with you there. And then I want to move you to an even greater place. And then an even greater place. And from faith to faith to faith, I want to move you in order that you will live by faith. Not live by your feelings. Not live, not live by all the circumstantial winds that blow your direction. He says, but I'm going to move you from faith to faith to faith. Because I'm here to tell you, most of you, are, you're just like me. You can't wake up one morning and just start declaring that you know your bank accounts are full and your, all your bills are paid and everything's smooth and calm and you start declaring that and, and you aren't even ready for that. You need to get your confession that at the, at the, at the beginning part that just says, I'm going to be a happy camper today. You're wanting to run to the faith to the fifth power. And God says, get back here. Let's just do a little faith. Just be a happy camper today. And once you can get a week or two of happy camper under your belt, then maybe we can move on to, you know, making other people a little happier. And we'll move you on from there. Are you with me? You cannot wait until you are in an emergency to start practicing a good confession. But boy, isn't that the truth? We wait till it's all falling apart, everything's going south, and then we'll say, yep, yep, I got to put that in practice. If you live in doubt and unbelief and negativity and continually speak that, what makes you think that when the critical moment comes, you'll be ready to access by faith what God has made available. Do you understand? We've got to live by faith where we are and when the seasons are great and good things are going on. We've still got to live by faith so when the, so when the hits and the hurts and the things come our direction, we are prepared because of how we lived in order to stand in that particular moment it takes great revelation most of your world right now is this on the screen guys most of your world right now is being determined by what you are speaking 
Now, you need to let that sink in for just a moment. Your problem in the universe around you. Do you understand there are people right now who are convinced if they can change their job, change their circumstance, if they can, just, if they can change their universe. It's not me. I'm not the problem. You don't understand. I am not the problem. My boss is the problem. My job's the problem. I don't make enough money, this, that, and the other. Everything's the problem. Everyone else is the problem. You're never the problem. Can I just share with you a picture? When that, when that starts coming out, the picture you need to see is, is that you are in the center of your universe. And you think everything revolves around you. And, and you need to come to the understanding that the universe isn't going to change for you in order to help you feel better or get to where you need to go. But you can begin to change that universe and change the way you are and way, the way you function if you'll get your confession changed. Takes great revelation. Most of our problem, I'm convinced of this, most of my problem nowadays, I don't know if that I, I, I probably fight the devil at times, but a lot of it is probably just because I've not laid hold of some of the things I put into existence by my own lips. It's not what others say about you. It's not what others do to you. It's what you are saying. And as you speak it, you believe it. And then you establish it. So how do you start changing that? I, I don't want to live like that, do you? All right, I'm glad three of you don't want to live like that. All right. I mean, do you want, do you, do you want to say, I mean, I'm, I, realize, I realize for just a moment it's, it's like you just going, oh, man, I'm getting nailed here. I'm just, I'm getting pounded because God knows my confession is just really kind of rank once, you know, the Holy Spirit starts revealing it. You know, I just feel this way. If I get pounded through the week, why not you? Why should I be the only one that gets pounded? Romans 4, 17. These are just underlinable verses here. It says, as it is written, speaking of Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And then, I like verse 19 too, we ought to keep reading. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You must begin to speak what seems to be the exact opposite of what you are seeing and what you are feeling. Now, can I just say when I mention that to you that right now, everyone else in your universe will call you nuts. They will say you're denying reality, you don't get it, you are clueless, you are neurotic, you, you'll be any one of a number of a hundred different things as they look at you. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that Abraham had a promise, and that promise was he'd be a father of, of many, uh, a father of many nations. And it says here that he believed God. And despite the fact that his body was 100 years old and everything in his life at that moment appeared the exact opposite of what 
reality and the promise was speaking to him. It seemed exactly the opposite. In fact, here it says, who, contrary to hope, everyone was looking at him saying, give it up. Give it up. You need to get on with your life. Just give it up. And, and the Bible says that Abraham, in contrary to hope, in hope still believed. When there was nothing in him that felt like what he'd been promised could come to pass, he called, the Bible says, that which did not exist as though it did. Everything around him was the opposite of what it seemed like was, was reality, but he spoke that which did not exist as though it did. And he began through his confession to make possession. It was through that speaking, that's why Abraham is given to us. Do you understand? He's the father of the faith. He is the example to us of how you access some promise. So, so how do we do that? Let me just, I'm going to run through this real fast. How do I do that? This shouldn't take long. Number one, you need to turn loose of constantly speaking the problem. For me, I, I figured out the reason I talk about a problem so much. Let me just tell you what, what I feel like God showed me. Why I talk about a problem as much as I do. It's because I'm not convinced God knows it's there. What other reason could there be? That's why I talk about the problem so much. We, we magnify the problem when the Bible says we're called to magnify the Lord. You say, but pastor, you're denying reality. No, no, really, I'm not. I know I have a problem. God knows I have a problem. But I am denying the right of that problem to keep standing in my way. And I will not infuse more life into my problem by continually putting it into my confession. I am not going to give my problem fuel to exist. And every time I keep talking the problem, I am fueling it in its existence. Are you with me? I'm fueling it. Words are a spiritual force. Words are what God has decided in the universe would have the substance in order to create spiritual reality. So when you speak, you are infusing something with life. So turn loose of infusing your problem. Now, it's not to say you can't absolutely never talk about it or get counsel i'm not saying it but come on let's get honest if we're just going on and on and on and on and on we are infusing life into that thing secondly we've got to learn to speak and to pray the end result i don't know if you've ever thought of this before but the bible says that we're to pray the prayer of faith have you ever thought about that for just a moment? I started thinking about that and what it meant to pray the prayer of faith. I don't think most folks understand what it means to pray the prayer of faith. To pray the prayer of faith means that you begin to speak the end from the beginning. Are you with me? That's how you pray the prayer of faith. You begin to speak what you know to be the outcome because of God's word and his promise from the very beginning. It hasn't happened yet. But you begin to pray and you begin to speak. You speak those things that be not as though they were. You begin to speak the end from the beginning. You know why you can do that? It's because God is the Alpha and the Omega. The Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. 
And so when you begin to set your confession in line and begin to speak the outcome, you've just aligned yourself with a God's eye view of what he wants to do. You've aligned yourself up with God. Most of the time, we're praying all of our problems. And I'm not saying you can't lift your needs up to the Lord, but you can say, Lord, I got this problem, I got this issue, but I begin to declare that the end shall be victorious, the I will prevail, I will come through, the money will show up. The thing will be restored. I begin to declare, and I put substance to that stuff. That's what you need to begin to speak. Whatever you say, the Bible says this, whatever you say will produce after its kind. That's why it says death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Whatever you speak will begin to produce fruit after its kind. So you have to train your spirit and train your soul in this area. It's not automatic. If this was automatic, we'd be seeing the church run in this world. If this was automatic. But instead, most of the time, we're getting the hang kicked out of this. This isn't automatic. And it also shows you why prayer isn't always easy. But not for the reasons that you normally hear. Prayer is challenging when you begin to say, listen to me, I will prosper and not lack. Because I'm a child of the king. You know why that's challenging? It's because you just looked at the checkbook and, and, and you're in, yeah, you, your overdraft protection just kicked into gear. And you're going, but I know what reality says. That's why prayer is challenging because prayer is not just going and moaning before the Lord. That's not just prayer. Yes, he is a comforter. Yes, you can cast your burdens upon the Lord. I'm not saying that can't be done. But there's got to come a moment that you arise in your spirit. And you let the Holy Spirit arise and begin to build up your faith. That's why we pray in the Spirit. It says that it builds up our most holy faith. And you pray in the Spirit and get yourself built up in God. And then go before the throne of grace, as it says, with great boldness. And start declaring the end from the beginning. I'll not lose my house. I'll not lose my car. I'll not lose my family. I'll not lose anything. I'm not going to lose it. God doesn't want me to lose it. I declare the end right now. And it's faith. You're praying the prayer of faith because it ain't there. Are you with me? You don't faith that which you got. You got to faith that which has yet to come. If you're sick, you got to begin to speak your health. Are you with me? He knows you're sick. And you can say, Lord, I've got a bad report. The doctor said that I've got a tumor. I've got a disease in my body. That's the doctor's report. That's what he says is going on. But Lord, I arise in this hour. And I begin to declare that by your stripes I am healed. And I shall live and not die. And I shall live to declare your glory in the earth. And I'll not be taken out one moment before my purpose is completed. And I shall stand and see my children and my children's children. And I'll attend my daughter's wedding. And, and I'll go to the new job. And when they graduate from college, I'll be there. Because that's your will and I shall stand. That's what you got to begin to do. And those words are, are substantive. There's power behind those words. Say, I feel discouraged. I'm going to take a moment on a couple of these things. Forgive me if we take just some extra moments, all right? Because we're going to get some miracles in this situation. If we're discouraged or we're depressed or we're irritated or we're angry, Lord, this is the situation. I am really quite irritated at the moment. But I arise over these feelings of anger and injustice and unfairness and I speak that, that, that you will 
provide for every need that I have. You will bring me into a good day. My season is changing. You will open up doors that no man can shut. Lord, you're going to bring me into an hour where I will rejoice and have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'll put it in my mouth until I see it happen in my life. That's what we've got to get. I'm telling you, that's what we've got to begin to do. We've got to pray and speak the end result. Number three, I've got to keep going. You've got to agree with what God has said in his word. If you want to know what to pray, you've got a whole owner's manual right here. Confession, the word confession, in the literal Greek, homo logoia, it actually means to speak the same thing. That's what confession means. Confession literally means to speak the same thing. So you have to set yourself in agreement with what the Word of God says about you. You've got to set yourself in agreement concerning your circumstance. You've got to set yourself in agreement with uh, things like Jeremiah 29 and 11 when it comes to your future. You've got to set yourself in agreement with these things. You can't continually speak the opposite of what God has said and think he's going to bring it to pass. You've got to speak what the Lord says is his will. Can I just give you an example? And this is the one I love to do because we do it every time we receive an offering, almost, in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, we talk, it says here some of the things that are the will of God if we're obedient to him. This is what it says. It says in Deuteronomy 28, and I'm just going to begin to speak this. God says that if I obey him, that he will set me on high above all the nations of the earth. The Lord says that the blessing will not only come upon me, but it will overtake me because I've obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. The Lord says I'm going to be blessed in Charleston, and I'll be blessed in South Carolina. The fruit of my body shall be blessed, and I'll produce out of it an increase of herds and cattle and offspring. I'll be blessed in my baskets, in my wallet. I'll be blessed in my bank accounts, my kneading bowl. When I come in to wherever I go, I will be blessed. And when I leave, I'll be even more blessed. The Lord will take my enemies, and though they rise against me, they'll, they'll run from me in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing to come to my storehouses. And in all that I set my hands to, I cannot fail. Whatever I put my hands on will be favored of the Lord. The Lord will establish me as a holy man unto himself, just as he swore to do all the peoples of the earth will look upon my life and they will see and call me a servant of the Lord and know the Lord my God and the Lord will grant me plenty in my goods and in the fruit of my body in my livestock the Lord will open up the heavens and pour forth his treasures upon me and I will prosper and I will not lack he will bless the work of my hand he will give me so much that I'll be able to start giving it away hallelujah and the Lord will make me he will make me the head and not the tail. I will not be one that'll just be obscure in a corner, but the Lord will bring me forth and make me the head and not the tail. And I shall not turn from either side, but I shall keep my eyes on the Lord my God. There's power in that, folks. I mean, there's power in this stuff. And you got to get that in your mouth. Agree with what God has said. Number four, you got to make sure you got a right to confess what you're speaking. you got to make sure that, that, that there's a right in you. Whenever you hear about people speaking faith, you tend to think of the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, and they're laying hands on their selfish, carnal interests, and they aren't doing what the kingdom asks of them to do. And, and let me just say this. You can't be selfish and carnal and think God doesn't know the heart at that particular point, and somehow he's obligated just because you're treating him like a formula. 
He's not the big genie in the sky that if you'll rub the right way, he grants you three wishes and it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, or how you do it. He expects consecration and yieldedness and humility and all of those things. Be sure you have a right to what you confess. Ask yourself, am I about to confess a promise in the word of God? Do I really have a right as an heir and joint heir to receive this? Have I received from God the title of this thing through faith? Ask yourself these questions. Now there's some things we know. For instance, I know things like our, our sicknesses and our diseases and our, our, our emotional and mental problems and all of these things. They don't have a right in my life. I know that because of the cross and what the cross provided for me. So I don't deny that you feel a certain way. I don't deny that it may hurt and it may be, it may be cumbersome and, and you struggle and it's a challenge. I don't deny any of those things. But what I'm exhorting you to do this morning is don't capitulate in your confession to simply declare how you feel. Begin to declare the right you have in Jesus Christ for a new, different day. And then number five, the Bible says we've got to hold fast that confession and this is it. That's all I can stand this morning. We could go on, but I'd just be beside myself if I were to do that. You'd have to call EMS, and they'd just put me on the cardiac machine right there and have to zap me with whatever that thing's called. Just put those two things on my, boom, you know. Of course, the way I feel right now, I might make the machine go, boom, you know. <laughs> oh, that's the first time the body ever made that thing, you know, happen. So, Hebrews 4.14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The Bible says that because we have a high priest, because of, because of that cross, because of what Christ provided, he says, because you know all those things, you can hold fast your profession. Praise God. 10.23, and then we're done. 10.23, it says, let us hold fast the confession of, of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful those verses you know these verses i just read to you imply that there will be feelings and there will be forces that will challenge you to go back and begin to talk like a mere natural man and i'll say it again most of us speak out of how we feel or what we are facing but when will we as we've said, this, does everyone believe this book is truth? So in other words, no matter what I see or what I feel or what goes on in my life, this still is true, right? This is true. Then you've got to, if we say that, then you've got to get to the place where you will speak truth and say what God has said, no matter what everything else says around you. Now, I understand you can't go up to somebody and have a conversation. They may not get it, understand it, like you or anything else, but you can get before God and you can get your confession right. When Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil came sowing things into him. Do you know for 40 days he fasted and the devil shows up and begins sowing into Jesus' ear all sorts of things that he was probably feeling. Would he have been hungry? Oh, I'm quite sure since he was fasting he would be hungry. And so the devil comes and quotes him a little scripture and says turn these uh, 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 stones into bread. And there he is whispering in Jesus' ear. But how many of you know Jesus, despite having feelings and having needs and all of these things as a natural man, one would have felt, Jesus also understood his future. And that's why he was able to say, Mr. Devil, you may be right. I guess I do have a right to feel all the ways you're bringing to my attention. 
But the fact of the matter is, I've got a future. It is written. He would keep saying, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus understood his future, and he was not going to detour his future over that immediate need. And the Lord spoke to me the other day, clear as a bell. I mean, every now and then, God gets a hold of me. I mean, you'd be glad to know that. If you don't think God doesn't get a hold of me every now and then, I'll just tell you, he gets a hold of me from time to time. And sometimes he'll work me over just like a parent does with their child. And he got a hold of me and began to talk to me. And, and how many of you know that when, when you have a little baby, that all the needs of the baby are tended to by the parent? I mean, I mean, as a parent, we're sovereign over that little baby's life. I mean, if it needs changed, if it needs fed, whatever its need is, we are sovereign over that child. And we move sovereignly in order to meet its needs and to tend to it. And, of course, as it grows older and older and older, it develops its autonomy. It, it can begin to exist on its own. It can begin to do things itself. And while as a parent we may still input its life, there's a lot of things that the child must now do in order to solicit things from the parents and in order to be fully mature, functioning adult. We know that naturally, right? Here's our problem with God, and this is what he began to speak to me. Most of us treat God as if we were all still infants. We want him to sovereignly tend to us. We want him to sovereignly meet our needs, sovereignly change our diapers, sovereignly go there, there, there when we're whining and complaining. We sovereignly want him to do everything that, that he wants done. And I'm not saying God's not sovereign, but this is what the Lord said to me. He said this, I've called you to be a mature man. I've called you to arise, and this is what I'm telling you right now. I'm not doing miracles for you anymore, Mr. Kevin. I am not doing miracles for you anymore until you begin to put substance and work words and declaration to those things which I have promised. I will do what I said I will do, but you must speak in faith. You must pray the prayer of faith. You must declare the end from the beginning to see that happen. And I'm talk talking to some of you right now. You're whining and you're complaining and you're going, why ain't God moving for me? And I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting this and I'm waiting that. You need to arise and be an adult and get your confession in order and declare the end from the beginning. And you know what? If I were a betting man, I'd be willing to bet that God God is on his tiptoes, ready to pounce on your situation if he would just hear your voice declare in faith what the end's going to be. Give me a Valium. No, I break that in Jesus' name. See how easy that is? Stand with me, will you please? Hey, let's give the Lord a great big hand clap, shall we, this morning? We bless you, Lord. We exalt the Lord. We magnify the Lord in this place. We give you thanks, oh God. Hallelujah. We bless you. We magnify you, oh God. And right now, we just set ourselves in agreement, Lord, before you right now. As the congregation in the house of the Lord, we set ourselves in agreement together, one with another. And we begin to declare with our voices that there's a sound of victory in the camp. 
And it's not just a sound of encouragement. It's a sound of the future. Lord, it's a sound of the end. It's, it's a sound of, of, of the finish line when you bring us into your fullness and your promises. Lord, we declare right now that sick bodies in this congregation are healed now in the name of Jesus. You are healed and whole in Jesus' name. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we break all powers of emotional instability and discouragement. We declare that the joy of the Lord is our strength and our seasons are changing hallelujah and my life's changing and my mind's changing i'm getting a brain transplant even now hallelujah it's happening right now we're declaring lord resources on its way that i will lack i will not lack but i will prosper i will prosper in you and lord you will meet the need and you will pay the bill and i will stand and i will stand and watch the arm of my lord be revealed in this area hallelujah you will work in my relationships, Lord. You will give me favor in this area. Hallelujah. People will run to me. They will move to me. Hallelujah. They will want to know your ways, want to know what you're all about. In the name of Jesus, we declare victory, overcoming. Hallelujah. Nothing can stand in our way. We are well able to go into the land. Well able in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Right now, right where you're at. It's okay if it gets a little noisy right now. Don't be afraid if it gets quiet. But you need to start declaring the end right now. What do you need to declare the end by faith? There's an atmosphere of faith here this morning. We've just stirred faith in the house to believe God. You may believe Him right now, but you've got to begin to declare. You've got to put it in your mouth. Come on, right where you're at. Declare the promise of God. Don't you be ashamed of it. Don't you be ashamed of His promise. You begin to declare it. What's God said? He'll increase you. He'll give you influence. He'll bring the harvest in. Yes, He'll open up doors in places of influence. He's going to close the deals. Come on now. Put, put some substance to your faith right now in the house. God hears it. Hallelujah. 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 Charleston will experience a revival. It will experience a move of God. Hallelujah. God will distinguish all of His people. Yes, He will. Yes, He will. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, right now, this is what I want you to do. We've practiced that, but this is what I want you to enter in. It's what I had to enter into as well, and I've just been quickened by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to renounce, and I want you to repent all of that cruddy stuff that's been coming out of your mouth. Come on, right now. Just repent right now. Just say, Lord, my mouth has been my problem. My tongue has been the issue of my life. I don't blame you. I don't blame the devil. I don't blame people around me. I set things in motion myself. I renounce that now. I turn from that. I repent from that, Lord. Empower me. Empower my mouth. Send the coal. Send the coal off the altar as you did with Isaiah and purge my lips. I pray now, let it be so. Let me declare in faith. Let me be called a man of faith, a woman of faith. But I turn from that stupid stuff. I turn from it. I declare that I will speak faith and live in faith and walk by faith in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Real quick, right now, there's faith for transformation. If you don't know Jesus, let me just say this right now. You can't do this unless you've entered into the kingdom and you've been born again. So I'm going to do, I got about 15 seconds because I know I'm squeezed, but hear me right now. Jesus wants to touch you. And if you're not right with God, and as you've entered into repentance, and, and if you've not cleansed your heart, I want you to come right now. There's faith in here to do that. We're not putting you on the spot. We're just trying to get your life back to where God can finally do some incredible things. But you've got to acknowledge, Jesus said this. This is how the system works. Listen to me. He said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So can I just say the system works because there comes a moment we got to step up, step out, and say, I'm on God's side. I'm on his side. I'm not pulling him on my side. I'm on his side. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I just need you just to, don't, don't, get your brain out of it. So you telling me just to be mindless for just a moment? Yes. Go with your heart. Go with your heart. For once in your life, jump into an arena that you can't figure out and just say, I'm going with God. I'm going to count to three, and at three, you're going to, your feet are just going to move right now and join me right here at the front. It's just going to happen right now on the count of three. One, two, three. Step in faith. And if you're coming, I need you to come right now. If you're stepping out, just come on right now. Come on right now. Just come on right now. I need to get some things right. I need to do it. I need to do it. I need to do it. Come on, if you're a first-timer, you can do it too. Just come on. I need to do this right now. I need to do this right now. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know every one of you right here. I know you. And this is what we're going to do right now. We're just going to pray. And everyone say right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm getting things right. And I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart He was raised from the dead. And according to Your Word, salvation and everything it entails is working in me now. My words are activating God's power in me. And that same power that raised up Jesus is raising me up. Thank you, Lord for doing this in me, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, give the Lord a hand, hallelujah, hey guys, I love you, I, I know everybody here, I know where you're all at, and so you can slip on back, God bless you, I love you, congregation now, don't just be jazzed, be changed, don't be just hyped, be transformed, I mean, I'm praying right now, Holy Ghost, smitten our hearts when it starts bubbling out of our mouths just nail our hides to the wall and say what are you what are you doing what are you speaking right now I'm praying I'm praying that the Holy Ghost just just frustrates that negative crud you just stammer amen Lord let a declaration let a word come from this house into the streets in the marketplace, let it come out of this place amongst this people, declaring by faith the greatness of our God. Lord, we love you a lot. You are incredible. We, 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 we absolutely, Lord, are smitten that our confession has not lived up to your greatness. 
But Lord, as you've empowered us, it's going to change today. We will declare the greatness of our God. We will speak the wonders of our God. We will do it. We will do it. Lord, thank you for putting that in us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. One last time, we'll give them a great big hand. Praise the name of the Lord. Hey, love each other. You get to practice that right now. You can look someone in the eyes and you can declare God's future for them. And you can go out of this house today prophesying literally one to another by faith, speaking what God wants to do in each other's life. Why don't you practice it as you go this morning? God bless you. See many of you in the middle of the week. If not, we'll see you on the Lord's Day next Sunday. God bless you.